Hey everyone, Pastor Caleb here with this week's sermon. And we are in James chapter 1 and Mark chapter 7. I want to talk about pure religion. That's the title, pure religion. And I just want to read uh, just a verse from James chapter 1. Verse 27 says, Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Well, the word religion has kind of become a bad word. The, the phrase, uh, it's not a religion, but a relationship, has not helped give it a positive image. Of course, I, I mean, we've all said that phrase. A lot of us have uh, Christians, and it is a relationship. I agree. It's a relationship. I also agree that it's not that legalistic, burdensome chore of rituals we often uh, confuse or, or at least associate with the word religion. Religion, however, isn't a bad word. If it is about rituals, think about it. We can all be ritualistic at times. Some of us are religious about a cup of coffee in the morning. Others have rituals they practice every night before they go to bed. It can become second nature for us to jump on social media first thing. Uh, we may have friends or loved ones that we have to call each day. We're religious about it. We, we, it could be that we just have to say I love you before we leave or walk out the door. It's our ritual. It's something we do. We, we have our rhythms and our rituals that we get into. Religion is about the expression and practice of our beliefs. It's where faith and works come together. It's our system of devotion. We all have patterns that express our beliefs. Our challenge is not about are we religious or not. It's, at, it's about the kind of religion we're offering God. Are our ways of expressing our faith polluted by the world? Are our rhythms and rituals, are they, is our religion a faulty expression of our beliefs? Let's say it this way. Does what we do line up with what we actually say we believe? In Mark chapter 7, you'll find the story of some of the disciples who were uh, eating food without having first washed their hands. <clears throat> the Pharisees you know, they go to Jesus and ask, why in the world is his disciples eating with these defiled hands? Jesus rebukes them in uh, Mark chapter 7, and beginning in verse 6, and I'm just going to read a few verses here. He says, he replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Well, at first glance, you would think Jesus is opposing good hygiene. I mean, doesn't he know washing your hands is a safety measure? Hasn't he read up on the latest CDC recommendations? This passage is obviously about something bigger than germs. When they questioned Jesus about the disciples having defiled hands, the Pharisees were not concerned about how healthy they were. They weren't concerned about health at all, but about holiness. This was a matter of religion. For them, pure and undefiled religion included a ceremony of washing your hands. They were keeping themselves from being polluted 
by the world, as James says. The problem was that you could keep your hands clean and still be defiled. That's still our problem today. What we discover from Jesus and James is that you can hear the commands of God, but not really listen. You can listen and not really act on them. And what is impure is what comes from within. So what do we do? Well, I just want to mention three things about pure religion. Maybe the religion that James is trying to talk with us about in his uh, letter. First off, we have to have pure listening. Pure listening. Jesus quotes Isaiah, These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. We can do a lot of talking uh, and, and, and fail to listen and really receive what God's saying. I had a, a friend uh, one time tell me, you know, pastors can be terrible listeners. And, and I agree. Uh, I think all of us, though, we can struggle with listening. James 1 really hits that um, home to us about listening. In, in verse 19 and 21, he talks about, Take no note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen. Quick to listen. How hard is it to be a good listener? Uh, how many of you have had this argument? Um, you're not listening. Or, well, I heard you. <laughs> There's a difference between hearing and listening. Are we actually taking in what's being said? Oh, we hear the talking, we hear the words, but when it comes to Christians, uh, you know, I, I can't help but wonder how many of us actually listen to God. Uh, Bishop Sutton, Brian, Bishop Brian Sutton, talks about uh, how often and I've heard him preach this. How often what, what we call prayer is more like us preaching to God. Our talks with God are mostly one-sided we're just telling him you got this and this and do this and this and we we honor him with our lips but our hearts are not really open to him even our salvation uh can be just something that begins and ends on our lips uh, i recently read a quote online on social media that was uh from jackie d johnson who notes that another problem with our evangelistic efforts is that we have largely bought into the reformer's definition of salvation as principally a legal transaction. We approach new life in Christ as if it boils down to a simple decision to be a Christian. Once we intellectually repent, believe, and confess uh, Jesus, God is contractually required to accept us. But Jesus did not come simply to offer us a better deal than the one Satan tricked us into. Jesus came not to just forgive us of sins, but to deliver us out of sin, to heal us, and to make us the first expression of a whole new order of creation. Man, I love that. We can confess that Jesus saves, and, ne and it never really be a reality in our hearts and lives. Think about that for a second. We, ha you know, we have too many people in the world who say, they're saved, they're a Christian. Well, yeah, I gave my heart to the Lord when I was a kid, and I'm a Christian, but but really, but they don't really know Jesus because they they understand stood that as a transaction. I think that's scary for us. We can just confess it and say, "Well, yeah, I, I know Jesus is the way and all that." But then our lives, our lives really don't show it. Our the way we treat our neighbor, though we 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 love God with our lips, but not with our hearts. We honor with our lips, but our hearts are far from Him. So it's, it's, it's scary to think that we could just be going through the motions 
and and giving God lip service, but not truly um, living out what he's called us to do. So James calls us out on that. Be Be quick to listen. As James says, we have to humbly accept the word implanted in us. We have to humbly accept it. Secondly, not only do we need pure listening, but we need pure speech. Not only do we have to be quick to listen, but slow to speak. James says, be slow to speak. Jesus tells the people where real defilement comes from. He turns from the Pharisees to the group of people, and he says, it is from within. He tells the disciples this, it is is what comes out that is the problem. For us, that's our speech. For us, it's what we say. Many of our problems uh, come because we open our mouths too quickly. We're all uh, can be guilty of that. It goes hand in hand with our anger. Slow to speak and slow to get angry. James says, be slow to speak and slow to get angry. What we say can have real power. What we say affects other people. What we tell ourselves is really important. Question, is our speech seasoned with salt, as Scripture tells it to, tells us to have? Do we say uplifting things towards our neighbor? Are we praying for those who have wronged us, or do we gossip? Are we slow to speak? What about the things we tell ourselves? Are we quick to justify our actions? Are we giving ourselves excuses for our actions? Are we discouraging ourselves, maybe even? Maybe it's a negative thing. You're beating yourself up. You're letting the enemy, the lies of the enemy, be given voice by your voice, your inner voice, your outer voice. So really, are we slow to speak? We need to be slow to speak. Let our speech be pure. Lastly, James points out that we can be good listeners and still miss it. Somewhere along the way, your actions have to connect to what you hear and believe. We're to be doers, not just listeners. We're to, we're to do what God commands us. Jesus points out an example to the Pharisees of how they've done this. They hear, they hear honor your father and mother. They know the law. They know that you're supposed to honor your father and mother. But then they nullify what they hear as, and, and they take no action on it because they have these traditions that, where, you know, that said if you take everything that could have helped your parents and just say it devote it's devoted to God or Corbin as he says in uh, Mark seven, and then all of a sudden guess what you don't have to help your parents you don't have to honor them. Uh, he says you do many things like this. Don't we have the same problem though? We hear the word but then find ways around it. Like this one example, we can actually use God to justify our disobedience and mistreatment of others. We can use God's righteousness to justify our hatred for our enemies. You know, God's righteous, God's wrath, and and we use his wrath and his righteousness as our wrath. And, of course, James chapter 1 tells us that the anger of men does not bring about the righteousness of God. But we can do that, and, um, and, and so we can use God's, even God's grace, to justify living in sin. Well, God's merciful and God's love, he... He doesn't care what I do. He doesn't care what they do. You know, he just dismisses it. And so we can use even God's wrath and God's grace. We can we can twist it all just to make ourselves inactive, uh, to not be doers of what God's commanded us, and and to just be listeners only. And th- so, and here's the last thing I want to say about this, is the context of the passage in Mark where the Pharisees are confronting uh, the disciples about the defiled hands or dirty hands, whatever. In the context, before and after it, Jesus feeds 
the 5,000, and then he feeds the 4,000. So in the middle of all this serving of bread, the Pharisees are focused on these few disciples washing their hands. Jesus and the disciples are feeding thousands and caring for the hungry, sick, and poor, but these Pharisees couldn't get past their tradition. You see, Jesus was doing and being the word. He was doing and being the word. Jesus was holding tight to the commands of God while letting go of some of these traditions. The, uh, the Pharisees, on the other hand, were hearing words. They were hearing the commands. They were hearing traditions, but they were not being the doers. They were not being the doers. And, and so it's important for us that we don't get so caught up in the, the listening and the hearing and thinking we got it when we are not living it. So I, I challenge you, whoever is listening to this, that you would be uh, someone who pursues that pure religion. Uh, as James says, that's to take care of the widow and the orphan, to take care of the least of these, and to keep ourselves uh, unpolluted by this world. God bless you.